0: It's time to think differently about healthcare, but how do we keep up? The days of yesterday's medicine are long gone, and we're left trying to figure out where to go from here. With all the talk about politics and technology, it can be easy to forget that healthcare is still all about humans. And many of those humans have unbelievable stories to tell. Here We leave the policy debates to the other guys and focus instead on the people and ideas that are changing the way we address our health. It's time to navigate the new landscape of healthcare together and hear some amazing stories along the way. Ready for a breath of fresh air? It's time for your Paradigm Shift. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift of Healthcare and thank you for listening. On today's episode, host Scott Zeitzer speaks with Greg Rainey, a co-founder of Lighthouse Business Solutions. Scott and Greg covered the role of a medical device salesperson in the operating room. That role is ripe for change
1: in a COVID-19 world. I just want to welcome Greg Rainey to the podcast. Greg was never my vice president of sales when I was a sales rep. Uh, I was actually on my own when I was doing some work with Stryker and Greg was the vice president of sales at Stryker. But Greg, how many years have you been associated with sales you know either being a medical device sales rep yourself or managing medical at this point in time it would be 43 years
0: <laughs>
1: yeah so you, which I, is probably I, older than some of the people listening right <laughs> it's all good and and so you know one of the conversations that Greg and I have been having over gosh a long time now has been the, the role of the medical device sales rep so i, I kind of want to bring everybody on board here. For a lot of medical device sales reps who are listening, they're going to be nodding their heads, especially orthopedic surgeons as well and spine surgeons. But from a really big picture, a medical device sales rep is a lot different than the standard kind of pharma rep or drug rep that a lot of people know about. They're much more involved with the surgeon, their customer. And they can be in the operating room. They can be part of the templating team. It's It really is a different type of relationship. But Greg, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind kind of explaining that a little bit.
0: Yeah. You know, it's like everything it's undergone an evolution. I mentioned 40, 43 years. The first total joint I put in was a, I was a knee in 1978. And I actually scrubbed on the case. There was a, point in time up until the mid 80s, where medical device reps, you know, and not just orthopedic medical device, but a lot of people knew about US surgical reps, you were trained and qualified to scrub and go into the OR. And in many cases, you were uh, first assisting or second assisting on the case. That eventually moved to a point of time where people wanted you in the room, but they didn't want you scrubbed. And so then it went from that into what a lot of people recognize as you know, the rep in the back of the room with the laser pointer. And that laser pointer and that rep being in the room was, was not so much for the physician, but for the staff, because there were so many different systems out there. If you think of just the companies that are out there now, you have Striker, you have J&J, you have Zimmer Biomet. U.S. Smith & Nephew, there's four companies and if you just take the number of needs that those four companies have, there could probably be 10 or 12 different systems on a primary basis, not even a revision basis. So it's difficult for a hospital tech or hospital staff to stay current with all the changes and that rep being in the room was a real member of the team, whether, as you mentioned earlier, a a pre-surgical Templating part of the case where he made sure that all the implants, the correct implants, are there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But also then being intraoperatively to make sure that the staff was that one step ahead of the physician on what he was going to need as the case went along. Now, you know, if you think about it, it's it's moved to where, and I think this piece is driven by the hospitals. They're trying to get the rep out of the room. They want the rep out of the room because they see him, yeah, they see him as another person in the room that could bring infection or whatever into the room, but they also feel that if there's not a rep of the room, they can get a cheaper price, and that's not necessarily
1: going to happen. Yeah, um, that's an interesting point you bring up. I know when I started in the 80s, I was definitely helping and so everybody understands the orthopedic surgeon, the spine surgeon, et cetera, they're quite qualified to do what they need to do, but it would be more of something of just reconfirming. So from a templating perspective, you might bring in your templates and you'd get the surgeon to pause for a second and say, Hey, you know, I looked at this and it looks like we're going to go with the, the, the standard you've, you've been using every, you know, before. And I saw that it was probably going to be one of these sizes. It's, you didn't pick it or anything like that. The surgeon would be you know taking a quick look and going yeah that seems about right you may want to bring this this piece that piece maybe this instrument etc
0: well you, you know. know that that's true if you think about that and just templating itself okay yep. when you templated those cases in the 1980s let's say it was the number 7 we'll just pick a number 7 right sure the number 7 you were trained as an orthopedic rep by the company who whatever company you're working for you took one above and one below that's seven so you might bring a 5 and you might bring a 9 and you brought the the instrumentation that would deal with that yep well mid 90s all of a sudden the hospitals say we don't want you carrying this stuff in and out we want everything you have to be on site and now you right. had millions of dollars worth of implants and instrumentation sitting in a hospital someplace. And then you got all the tracking issues. And, and a lot of these hospitals at that time, because the orthopedic company has been slow to do this, they weren't real good at keeping an, an actual audit of what was in the hospital. You're right. You know, So you would find these huge write-offs from a corporate structure of, well, we can't account for all our inventory, so it's kind of out there. So the rep played a really, really important part of making sure the right instrumentation, the right implants were available. Some of that went away when they just demanded everything being in the hospital.
1: Yeah, you know, along those lines, Greg, I remember being a rep in the 80s and bringing everything in and taking it back out, assisting all of the the nursing staff and support staff on, hey, this is what's next, you know, to your point, uh, you know, use the laser pointer and point out the next step. So everything kind of went along smoothly even uh, ran out and grabbed the appropriate components to essentially hand off to the appropriate people so they could open it up in a a sterile fashion, et cetera, for for implantation. And then as the years went by, to your point, as more and more material was essentially requested slash demanded, et cetera, into the hospital, I remember many times being the person responsible to go find it as crazy as it sounds. Because hospital ORs are very large in a lot of hospitals. And so they would just store it somewhere. You'd be looking for it frantically, you know, the day before, late like part of my job. Definitely
0: making sure the, everything was there before the case. And as you mentioned, yep. you were there the day before and you were making sure it was in the central sterile area or outside the room or whatever it was. Right. Because if for some reason something wasn't there, whether it be a polyethylene liner or whether it was a cup or whether it was an instrument that the surgeon would need rarely, but would need on that case, the hospital didn't take, take the fall on that. Quite frankly, the rep did. And every rep that's out there and has been representative in the orthopedic industry has felt the wrath of his or her favorite customer for not having something there when he expected it.
1: Absolutely. And it was and probably still continues to be a big part of just making sure you take good care of your customers. And, and as you mentioned, as financial, the hospitals took a look at it at two different levels, I think, when they tried to push the rep out, quote unquote, of the operating room. One, they didn't like the fact that the salesperson was such a part of the team, so to speak. It made it difficult to negotiate with someone who was, I get it, not part of the staff, but still part of the team. That was one part of it. it. So there is, there was that issue. And then there was, well, maybe we we could get a better price if we just don't have this person in there. There are intended and unintended consequences to not having that sales rep in the room. And this brings up you know, COVID, where there's a liability issue to having anybody in an operating room. To some degree as I as I joke, the surgeon coming into the operating room, there's a liability. He's the surgeon. You know, it's obviously right. a necessary liability. But anybody extra, let's not let's not have them there. And then the unintended consequence, which a lot of surgeons found out very quickly, was like, wow, this isn't moving along as nicely as we thought it was going to be moving along. I think that a lot of hospitals saw that and said, okay, what do we need to do now? Because if I remember correctly, uh, back in the 2000s, 90s, weren't there a lot of larger companies that were even trying to sell a, quote unquote, less expensive system with no sales support whatsoever?
0: Yeah. I think the first company to really try it was Smith & Nephew. I think it was. was, It was late 90s, early, early 2000s. And wait a minute, it might have been not been Smith & Nephew. It might have been Right Medical. It was white box orthopedics. Ah, you know? yes, you're right. And, you're and right. they marketed it. Of course, they forgot to tell their reps about it, which created a little bit of a problem because guess what? The hospital said, well, we'll just do the white box. But then what happens when they needed something? Then right. what happens if somebody wasn't informed of it? You know, And, and every surgical. Will relate to a story of you know that's pretty universal, and that's Sunday afternoon call to come in and do a trauma nail, a gamma nail, or whatever, and a fairly regular procedure, but they wind up with an OR tech or an OR nurse who has no knowledge of orthopedics, and so who do they call? They call the orthopedic rep, and he comes in and makes sure that everything goes right, but you know, with white box orthopedics, you didn't get that, you know, so that methodology has failed miserably because, you know, if you go back, I mean, what I mentioned when I first started doing it, I was part of the team. And as you mentioned there, you were part of the team, whatever part of the year, whatever decade it happened, you were part of that team. Now, a lot of hospital administrators, and again, this is just from my perspective, They want the rep out of the room. They don't like the good relationship that surgeons and salespeople have together. But if you go back in time, and it's not quite as prevalent now, but it it certainly was 15, 20, 25 years ago, Mm -hmm. many of the top reps in any company were very close personal friends with their best customers. And there's a reason for that. And the reason was is they both probably started out in their careers at the same time. The surgeon gets out of residency, he goes and starts to establish his practice, and he finds a a rep who's representing XYZ product who just happens to be about the same age. Yep. yeah. And as the surgeon gets busier, who does he deal with? He deals with the rep that he knows and he likes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the next thing you know, they're good friends, You know, their families are good friends. And so that's very difficult for a hospital administrator to break. That doesn't happen as much anymore because the residency programs are a little bit different and the training programs are different. But you still see it. You still see where reps become very close friends with
1: their best customers. Yeah, and, and it's not some sort of like evil plan. I, oh gosh, no, it's not No, it's, not it's, that it's at the all. exact opposite. It's guys, I can't tell you if it's uh, three o'clock in the morning and there's a trauma case that's coming and there's two nurses who are not adept at orthopedics. They're certainly very well trained. They know how to be in an operating room, but they just don't do a lot of orthopedics. So they know how to be sterile. They know how to set up the room. They know how to take care of the patient, but they don't know of all the intricacies of all these different instrumentaries. Etc., cetera, and having somebody in the back go, no, the next step is to hook that okay. thing up with that so thing you, up. You mentioned, something so interesting. Helpful. you mentioned
0: something interesting there, Scott, and you mentioned yeah. COVID, okay? Yeah. COVID-19, which I affectionately remind people that there were 18 more before this. <laughs> yes, um, there were. <laughs> but certainly the hospitals are going, some hospitals, some hospital systems, are going to use this to say no reps in the room. I've heard one story already where they told they said, "We don't not only want the reps in the room, we don't want the rep in the hospital." Yep. Yeah. So okay, you're not going to have a rep in the room. I get that. Let's say that goes fine, but let's take a look at the at the latest development in all of orthopedics. What's the biggest thing out there now? Robots. Robots. Yeah. Robots. Really. Right, Whether it's a Mako, a Striker, or whether it's a robot it's from J&J or whomever, yep, there's a tech that's assigned to that robot. That rep, that tech, knows that robot in and out like nobody in the hospital does.
1: They're going to let that guy in? I cannot imagine that they will not. I also, you know, it's interesting, I've seen a lot of conversation going on back and forth on LinkedIn and a, a lot of the surgeons are the first ones to say like, hey, guys, like it or not, my surgeries go much smoother and much quicker with the rep in the room. And so that's that unintended consequence. So the intended consequence is, hey, let's quote unquote level the playing field, get everybody out of the room that doesn't need to be in the room, and let's just get our surgeries done. We'll take the personal out of these conversations when it comes to negotiating price. We'll take some Risk out because there's one less human being in the room. I get all that. On the other hand, that's that OR time, which is quite expensive and now takes an extra hour because the surgeon has to stop what they're doing and tell everybody in the room where to get what, what to line up. No, I asked for A instead of B. Those are the unintended consequences that occur when that happens. And I have a feeling that certainly. Most orthopods, if they feel that they can have their room safe and their patients safe, they would most orthopods would prefer to have the rep well, in the room. You know
0: what Scott? You know, the, the whole safety issue, okay? I'm sorry, maybe I'm just an old fart on this, okay? But I don't buy it. Okay? For the last decade or the last decade and a half, yep. there's been more scrutiny over the health and well-being of a rep with rep tracks and all these different things that they have to have just to gain access into the hospital. You mean to tell me COVID-19 is going to not cover that? All of a sudden, they're going to change everything? You know, they talk about getting, they meaning whomever, they talk about getting back to normal. Well, normal, I don't buy the concept of new normal. There's normal and there's normal. And to all of a sudden, you're going to cut out somebody who is whatever part of the, the supply chain that individual is, whether it's the rep or, or the delivery guy. You're going to cut the delivery guy out, you know, who drops off the instruments to central sterile and make sure that they're taken care of? You're going to stop all that? I mean, the fact of the matter is the system was pretty well set up. It's pretty stable. And we shouldn't be absolutely stupid because COVID 19's out there. And I get all the reasons why they did it, but at the same time, how many hospitals have been in trouble because of it? Yeah, they cut out. You know, they flat out cut out all the elective surgeries nationwide for sixty days. How much has that cost the hospitals? Oh, true. Trim- I'll tell you how much. Yeah, they've laid
1: off forty-three thousand hospital employees. Well, that's another thing that it brings up. You know, uh, There's a lot of people have been laid off. It's not that easy just to rehire everybody while, by the way, they have to take a lot of extra steps to secure the hospital and, or the ambulatory surgical center for that case. You've got to make sure we had a podcast about it, about what steps you need to take. And it's going to be very dependent upon which hospital you're in, which ASC you're in, but certainly getting the right people back I always suggest to people when they're about to have surgery uh, that uh, go ask a simple question of your surgeon, which would be, hey, how often do you do this? Do you do this a lot? And if the answer is, yes, quite a bit, that's usually a helpful answer. And the other thing is don't see the surgeon the day they come back from vacation. I don't think they're going to be bad the day they come back from vacation, but many studies have shown that we're all better when we practice more. And so we've all got to get back in practice and part of the team is the medical device rep. I'll be very interested to see what the outcomes are over the next few months about how the reps kind of reintegrate themselves here. Well, I I think, you know, if you think about the
0: ebb and flow of this issue of moving the rep out of the room, okay, which as I said, it's been going on since for as long as I've been in the business. Yep. And it also, it always the same thing, huge push by the hospital. We're not going to let anybody in the room anymore. If a little while after that, you know, we're not going to let anybody in the room anymore except for this guy because right. <laughs> he really helps things make make things go well. Or, well, actually, we, we've changed a little bit that we need you to cover some of this stuff. You know, so it'll all ebb and flow. My guess will be that, you know, in a matter of time or whatever time, pick a time zone you want. 30 days, 90 days. Mm -hmm. I would think that within six months, the hospitals will be back functioning in a very similar fashion to what they were pre-COVID, okay? Only because they're going to have to. They'll figure out their way around
1: and the reps will figure it out too. I agree. I do think that Whatever the like you said, whether it's three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, whatever that is, it's going to resettle probably to something very similar to what it was before. Well, well you know, I um, use um, the example third? of the the robot
0: technician. Mm-hmm. You know, if uh, Dr. A at Motherlode University Hospital is about to do five Mako knees on the first Tuesday of next week after mm-hmm. everybody... Starts doing surgeries again. Are you really seriously telling me that they're not going to let them make a rep in the room? Yeah, rep's going to be in the room. Okay, so now there's the crease, right? Yep. There's already a rep in the room. I think what you will find is they'll probably figure out a way to stop multiple reps in the room. This might be the COVID, might be the thing that really stops multiple reps in a room
1: and force surgeons to choose one or the other systems. Yep. That's a very valid a very valid point. I think that, like everything, you know, it, like, like you were making the point about there's never a new normal. It's just what normal is. We continue to adapt and change, et cetera. I mean, I don't think anybody walked around going, there's a new normal when talkies came out. You know, it's uh-huh. just, hey, sound is out now. So enjoy. I do think that change is always happening out there. And some of these surgeries like when you talk about with robotics, requires a lot more attention to some really kind of cool and interesting stuff. But again, the surgeon still has to focus on the patient while someone's got to focus on that robot. And right. as they work as a team, you'll get a great outcome. That being said, I don't see hospital employees uh, being the quote-unquote robot technicians, not at all.
0: No, and you know the one thing that, that orthopedics has always managed to hang its hat on is you know, development and you know, new technologies. <laughs> or if you stick around long enough, new technologies that have been here one or two times before. Yeah, you're um, right about that. Yeah. But you know, the technology advancements the robots a perfect example. So the question's gonna be, okay, now the robot, when you think about it, it's a decade old, right? Yeah. With Mako and, you know, all the other iterations.
1: after yeah, a while, absolutely.
0: What's the next technology that's going to develop? And are you going to keep a rep out of the room in that situation? I don't think so. I think they're, I think we'll go back to the norm of if it's worthy and it's important enough for the rep to be in the room. The rep They'll be in the, the room. room. You're right. But, you know, two hospitals, which they're famous for doing, they're going to throw up as many roadblocks as possible. Well, I, I always people. joke
1: with all of my surgeons and friends out there If you just let the medical people take care of their patients, everybody would be better off. Usually these conversations and these roadblocks are coming from people who aren't in the operating room, aren't taking care of the patient. They're looking at bottom lines. And I get that. And that's important. And it needs to be done. But like I'll say, beware of the unintended consequences of some of these decisions. That discussion is another whole three podcasts. You're right about that. I mean. and we kind of hit—we kind of hit our 25 minutes there, so that we normally strive to. Greg, I can't thank you enough. 43 years worth of experience. Uh, I, I think you know a thing or two about medical device sales. <laughs> and I really thank you for coming on. Thanks. I enjoyed it very much. I appreciate it. It's my sincere pleasure. Everybody, have a great day.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to the paradigm shift of healthcare. This program is brought to you by P3 Inbound, marketing for ortho, spine, and neuro practices. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.